Bringing a cell or gene therapy to market is an art. Hear Veristat thought leaders as they draw on their specialized expertise to offer insight on timely, relevant clinical development topics. Welcome to today's art podcast, Advancing Revolutionary Therapies, a podcast presented by the Center of Excellence for Gene and Cell Therapies by Veristat. I am Ewan Campbell, Advanced Therapy and Biotech Director with Veristat, partnering with our clients globally in gene and cell therapies. My role is to oversee the development of innovative therapies, which often do not follow a classic roadmap to market in order to bring our clients' products efficiently to patients. The objectives of today's podcast are, firstly, to outline some of the unique challenges we face when we develop advanced therapies for the treatment of neurodegenerative disease. Secondly, to share some of the experiences gained in neurodegenerative disease studies using advanced therapies over the past 20 years. And finally, to encourage you to think about the particular challenges of using advanced therapies in this area to assist in the development of new therapies that will change patients' lives. So neurodegenerative disease studies are like a perfect storm of complexity. First of all, we have a, a lack of very hard clinical endpoints. So we're very much relying on the use of rating scales which rely on the subjectivity of patient who's doing the rating scale, the subjectivity of the person who's assessing the rating scale, and even the subjectivity of the monitors. So you really need to make sure there's consistency in those endpoints to ensure that there's consistency across the study and between different sites, they're going to do those rating scales in different ways. You do need to make sure that there are consistencies so that we get less variation in the data, less noise, which can confound the endpoint. Secondly, we're often looking for biomarkers to act as surrogates. So as these studies go on, often assays for different biomarkers are being evaluated to see how they relate to the clinical outcomes. Another complexity is you're going to be delivering these drugs to the brain. So there's going to be some um, complex delivery systems. So you may have um, stereotactic administration, we might be using convection enhanced delivery and all of those techniques often need a new device to be developed or alternatively an existing surgical technique to be adapted. And this again adds to the variation of the study and the delivery and obviously the complexity. And the final issue with neurodegenerative diseases is that you see disease progression over a long period of time. So for Alzheimer's, on average from diagnosis to death is around about 10 years. And there's a gradual um, worsening of the patient's situation. So when you're looking to measure those differences, um, you're doing it over a long period of time. And obviously in order for these products to work, you want to get the clinical trial length down to the shortest possible time so that you can um, administer these patients and improve their lives. So with this sort of study, which is extremely complex, the sooner you start planning, the better. And there are a large number of things that you need to, to control. I think top of my list, or factor number one, would be the manufacturing of the drug. It's never too early to think about the manufacturing of the drug for early phases, because as, the, as you go through the phases, you're going to need to do scale up or scale out the pivotal study, depending on which type of product it is. So if it's an autologous type product, so an ex vivo gene therapy, then you'll be needing to scale out the process later. 
if it's an in vivo treatment, then you'll be able to scale up the process. And it's important that by the time you get to the phase three pivotal studies, that the product you are using has been developed um, to such an extent that the phase three product is identical to that you're going to use in, in market. Otherwise, you get into the, the realms of doing bridging studies if you then change the process after that. And I think securing supply chain early in the manufacturing process is really important because there are more and more of these gene therapy type products that are being developed. And then we have a very limited number of companies that can supply the components, the very highly specialized components, and therefore we need these, these components to be available for the entire supply chain from the start to the finish, otherwise you're going to be repeating studies. In terms of um, facts, the second factor is probably the preclinical. So prior to going into the clinical study, obviously there are some preclinical considerations. And one of the first ones is it not only affects this sort of product, but all products, is that when you're doing GLP studies for preclinical, some of the regulatory authorities in the world will only accept it from OCD member countries. So not all countries have signed up to the OECD, so we need to make sure that we're using the right countries. So when planning preclinical assessments, things to consider is obviously biodistribution of the vector, where it goes within the, the organism, what its persistence will be, what its clearance will be, and, and also possibly the expression of the transgene product. So obviously we put these genes in to manufacture often a, an enzyme which is missing. So we need to know how that is distributed throughout the uh, the brain and how it is disposed of by the body. The next thing is obviously suitable animal models for neurodegenerative disorders need to be carefully selected because there are often lots of um, differences between rat and mice models and human models. So you may have to use larger animal models like pigs or non-human primates due to the neuroanatomy differences between the two types of species. There are a lot of acceptable models for proof of concept. So you've got transgenic or knockout mice or rat um, models. We need to make sure that um, you agree with the regulatory authorities, the model that you're going to use and that that's appropriate. And then finally, obviously, we've talked about the complexity of delivering these products to the brain. So you need to ensure that the dosage range, the route of administration, the schedule of dosing and the endpoints that you evaluate within the preclinical model, the same as those you intend to use in the clinical model. And then I think in, in terms of the, the third factor, I think probably is to do with the patient population that you're going to use. So certainly around how the study is designed. So a randomized clinical trial may not be the best method for a neurodegenerative disease. Obviously, for all these diseases like Huntington's and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, there is a, a gold standard of care. So often you will be using that regimen and then adding the gene therapy as a regimen plus. And then it's a case of how you design that study. At that point, it could be a randomized clinical trial against the gold standard. It's unlikely to be ethical to use a placebo control as the, there are treatments available for this sort of product. Some regulatory agencies such as the EMA will accept the use of historical controls or using synthetic control arms, but generally that would be something that you really would need to discuss with the FDA because they generally discourage the use of external historical controls and prefer a concurrent comparator group. So for 
neurodegenerative diseases, I think patient advocacy groups have pretty much matured in that area. They are very strong in the areas of Alzheimer's, Huntington's disease, Parkinson's. And I think they have an infinite amount of wisdom to bring to any clinical study. I think we have to look at how we're burdening the patient in the clinical study. By the very nature, these sort of studies are using a lot of rating scales. You could use a lot of scales to assess the same thing in within the study. And I'm not sure that we'll be getting any extra information. Also, you could be taking these scales and using them every week. Again, you know, this is a disease that progresses over a long period of time. So maybe looking at the spacing of those assessments to make sure that we're not overburdening the patient and their carers who probably, particularly if it's um, towards the end stage of the disease, are the people that we're going to have to bring them to the hospital and be with them through the whole process. So I think listening to advocacy groups about what's important to them as patients, so what should the endpoints be, how should they be assessed, can only improve the outcome of the clinical studies that we perform in this area. So I think key considerations for gene therapy products in neurodegenerative diseases, manyfold. I think study design, we're not going to be doing a classic study of a randomized placebo-controlled clinical study. The study population is going to be a key consideration. Are you looking at patients at the start of the disease or towards the end of the disease? Obviously, with the gene therapy, you want to give the gene as early as possible. It's unlikely the gene's going to reverse the situation in the patient, but probably just stabilise. But the differences in detection in the early stage is going to be lower than the stages at the end, where the degeneration will probably be faster. Dose selection is going to be a big issue in this sort of study. You'd need to have dose ranging studies at the beginning of the process in the early phases to work out what the optimum dose to get a, an effect from the gene that's been given to the subjects. Obviously, safety considerations. So often with gene therapy, immune responses can damage the tissues that the viral vectors actually put the transgene into. Within the brain, it's possible that the immune response is, um, is dampened. But again, it may well be an issue for safety that we need to follow. Um, study endpoints we've discussed is really important. We have a lack of hard clinical endpoints, so we're using rating scales. We need to standardise those to reduce the noise so that we get the, the maximum delta for the, the study. So we don't have to put more patients in than we need to into what is a experimental disease. So the, the patient experience is, is really one of the key considerations that we need to look at in neurodegenerative disease studies. These patients have to do a lot of rating scales. So the burden on the patient when their cognitive function is being degraded is increased. So we need to make sure that the number of tests that we do is to the minimum that we need to get the data that we need to get the product approved. We need to make sure that we're not asking them to come back to the clinical centers more often than they need to, because particularly towards the end of the disease, their carers will have to bring them to the hospital and it will be very complex and cumbersome for them as well as the clinical sites. So I think it's important to you know, listen to patient advocacy groups and find out what is really important to the patients who are involved in these studies, but really put the patient at the centre of the whole clinical study to make sure that we're not asking them to do too much. To conclude for today, these were intended to be high-level discussions and we will drill down into some of the detail in future podcasts. It is important to be cognizant that planning is essential for your gene therapy development program to avoid significant delays in getting your product to the patients who need it. So addressing the issues up front at the start of your advanced therapies journey 
is critically important to ensure the success of your product. Thurstat has trailblazed in this area since being the first CRO to get a gene therapy approved in the European Union. We are very experienced in advanced therapies and have amassed an extensive scientific knowledge base. We continue to be actively involved in the next generation of advanced therapies, so we certainly encourage you to continue listening to additional episodes of the ART podcasts, where we will dive into some of these issues in a bit more depth, as well as addressing a number of new topics as we continue to progress the series. I hope that this podcast has been valuable for you. Certainly feel free to contact myself and the team through the links available on the Veristat website. We are always happy to supply additional information or discuss any questions you may have. We will be back talking to you again in future podcasts. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast player and look for our other Cell and Gene podcasts at cellandgene.expert.